Sign up to The Economist for in-depth curated expert analysis of world events and topics ranging from business and culture to science and technology. You'll get the weekly digital edition, online-only articles, curated newsletters on politics, the markets, science, culture and China, and full access to The Economist Podcast Plus. The Economist is independent journalism for independent thinking. Go to economist.com and get your first month free. All right, time for Baldry's Beat. Keith Baldry, Legislative Bureau Chief for Global News. Good morning, Keith. Good morning. So we're set now to take a break in the fall legislative session in Victoria. Mm -hmm. Today's the final day before, and then when they come back, I guess David Eby will be the premier. Yeah, for some reason, and the government hasn't explained this. I mean, next week was already scheduled, always scheduled to be a break week because of Remembrance Day. But out of the blue, the government added a second week of break, um, Without really explaining why that's necessary, transition but, to EB government. Yeah, I don't. Sh- well, you can do that with the government still in se- with yeah. the house still in session. Right. Um, but nevertheless, uh, so David EB uh, sworn in on the 18th. When right. the re- legislature resumes after this week, he will take his seat in the house as premier. He will sit where John Horgan currently sits right, right now. The premier always sits in that desk, and John Horgan will move to a different location. We don't know which. Today's his last day in the house as. Premier, but he won't be there because he's not. He's feeling under the weather, so he's not. Uh, as of now, not going to. And he was scheduled. We were, just, we were just discussing off air that he was expected to give like a final speech in the legislature. Yeah, uh, final speech at one o'clock today, but that's yeah. not right. As of now, it's not going to happen. Hmm. But um, it was interesting this week on Tuesday, there was uh, the legislature had a reception for him, well attended, um, huge amount of people in the hall of honor here at the legislature. And I was there. It was bipartisan. Shirley Bond gave a great speech um, in tribute to him. Liberal she, MLA. Sonia Furstenau of the Green Party gave yep. a speech. Um, very well attended by members of all parties. Yep. Now, what's interesting, that's the first ever reception for a premier. I don't recall Maybe. it. I don't recall that ever happening. No, it never happened before because premiers are either defeated at an election yeah. and they're no longer premier, so no reception, or they leave under controversy. Yes. So you just go through the roster, not that I started with W.A.C. Bennett, but, you know, he was yes. defeated in the 72. No reception for him. Dave Barrett, defeated in 75. No reception for him. Bill Bennett quit in 86. You know, it was a little bit of controversy associated with the solidarity stuff, but there was no reception, no public tribute to him at the legislature. Yeah. Mike Harcourt left under controversy with Bingo Gate. Glenn Clark. Resign, left. Resigning in the press theater. I yeah. remember that day. Glenn Clark resigning in the press theater. Yeah. Ben, sorry, I skipped one. Bill Vanderzam resigning yeah. twice, once in the press theater, once in uh, Vancouver. Um, uh, Harcourt, Clark, Ujol Desange defeated. Gordon Campbell left under controversy, uh, had to resign. Christy Clark defeated. Yeah. And you have John Horgan leaving at the top of his game, uh, ahead in the polls, the most pop, one of the most popular premiers in Canada, at five points after being five years after becoming leader, unheard of to be over fifty percent popularity. But that reception, I think, spoke of the high regard people in the legislature and the public hold them. Yeah, people have grown in fondness for him as well. And I think people have, uh, you know, his his battle with cancer, really mm-hmm. brave, bravely battling that. And I think people have really admired that as well. So, yeah, he's kind of kind of leaving the premier's office on, on a high with the NDP and uh, doing well in the polls against the liberals. Does, interesting does that, that change now with EB, though? Well, it's going to be interesting. One of the funny things on Tuesday night, how many liberals lined up to get selfies with him? Oh, <laughs> Never seen that before, uh, that type of uh, cross-party bipartisanship. Yeah, so Evie's got big shoes to fill here. Um, 
again, he's definitely not John Horgan. I mean, Horgan, very comfortable in his own shoes, man of the people, reaching out. I don't know how many times I've been in the ledge, walking in the halls, running to John Horgan, and there's strangers there, and he's just totally comfortable uh, speaking to the average person. Sure. David Eby's a little more awkward, a little shy. Yeah. Uh, he's not as outgoing as John Horgan is, but that doesn't mean uh, that doesn't translate to unpopularity or, or ineffectiveness. I mean, uh, Gordon Campbell wasn't the most uh, warmest people person either, and he won several elections. Well, I wonder if those liberals, while they're getting their selfies with Horgan, were also thinking like, "I'm glad you're leaving in a way because we'd oh, rather yeah. have we'd rather have Eby in there to kick around." And they'd rather well anybody other yeah. than Horgan to yeah. run against because uh, Horgan's a pretty formidable opponent. Okay, we'll see where that goes. Okay, let's um, talk about what's going on in Ottawa today. Big day in Ottawa. <laughs> it's the federal mi- uh, mini budget, officially known as the economic fall economic update. And we expect to hear from Christia Freeland, the federal finance minister here on the state of the budget and going forward. So there's lots of pressure on the, on the federal government here on the budget because we got a recession looming. Now you got the conservatives are saying you should cut spending, cut taxes. The NDP, of course, in a governing deal with, with Trudeau saying, no, you should go in the other, other direction. You'd be spending more, help people out in this economy. So let's listen to Pierre Polyev here, the conservative leader this week in the House of Commons. Have a listen. There's really one thing for him to do. Stop. Stop the inflationary taxes. Stop the inflationary deficits. Stop driving up the cost of living. Will he do the honorable thing, the compassionate thing, and stop taxing Canadians? Going after Trudeau there. Your thoughts? You're not going to stop taxing Canadians. <laughs> what do you think yeah. pays for health care? Well, he, wants to, he said you should cancel the scheduled increases in the uh, carbon tax and payroll, uh, you know, EI. EI. Yeah, yeah, that's no, not it, going to happen. That's not going to happen. Uh, and you're going to see, I think, probably the Liberals adopt the Keynesian approach of economics, which is stimulus spending, uh, continue to spend. B- the B.C. government here, uh, provinces across the country are spending mass amounts on infrastructure, yeah. which is a traditional stimulus type of spending. So I expect the feds uh, to go a little more on the spending side than less. I think that uh, Christian Freeland in the last couple of days has been signaling the Canadians like, look, there's an, there's an ec- the economy is slowing down. So trying to sort of soften the public up for a recession, which I think is coming. And there may be pressure on government to kind of you know, slow down a little bit, slow down in some of the spending. But on the other side, they don't want to panic the public or panic the markets no. either by sending a negative message. You, about you don't want people to stop spending themselves because no. you want economic activity to continue. No. Um, again, a recession is two consecutive quarters right. of negative growth. Uh, so we people have been talking about a recession and predicting one. We're not there yet, at least until the stats come up and show two consecutive quarters of negative growth. And you're getting mixed uh, signals from the U.S., which, you know, one day there seems to be talking about a, a mild economic recovery. The next day, again, more recession fears. Okay, so that economic update is coming this afternoon from Christian Freeland. I'm fascinated by the Doug McCallum uh, public mischief trial, which is mm-hmm. un- unfolding right now. And it was a really interesting day in court yesterday. McCallum, of course, charged with public mischief after he claimed that uh, a woman hit him with his car, drove over his foot with her car. Let's go back in time here now to the original complaint from McCallum. So this is what he said at, at the time after he had this confrontation in the par- in the parking lot of a supermarket. Here's what he said. She clipped my knee and, and my bottom leg and then ran over my foot at the same time and then took off. Okay, so there's there's crucial video evidence of this confrontation. The video... 
is a little bit taken a little bit far away. It's yeah. a little bit grainy. A bit of an obstruction, too. And it, do, it doesn't appear like it, it unfolded the way he describes. You see him walking away. But I'll tell you, McCallum has got good lawyers. Now, listen Taxpayer to... paid lawyers. That's too. right. Let's listen to this report now from Global News reporter Catherine Urquhart. Three witnesses have appeared for defense, including Dennis Chimek. The biomechanical engineer testified a foot can be driven over without bones breaking. And a radiologist from Peace Arch Hospital testified that x-rays appeared to show swelling on McCallum's left foot, although he never examined the foot. I think the defense here trying to suggest that, look, it may not look like it on the video. It may not be exactly as he described it, but it doesn't mean his foot was not run over. So Interesting that he, he... Using his deep pockets, courtesy of the taxpayer, to get two pretty high-powered witnesses to counter uh, the. Well, this is uh, what your money. Uh, that's what money pays for when when you when you hire the best lawyers. He's got one of the best lawyers around, Richard Peck, a uh, well-known uh, defense lawyer. Um, again, the, the videotape. We're not the judge. There's no jury. It's a judge trial. Uh, doesn't seem to be 100 percent conclusive either way. Yeah. But it's going to be interesting. I go back again. To the testimony of the first witness, the woman who confronted him, the, yes. the subject of this, I still think it's unacceptable for a public official to face that type of verbal abuse. Well, she uh, called him a scaly-faced mother effer. Yeah, and used the F, and called him a few others to call him evil, just yeah. this confrontation when he's going shopping. I think he's going to beat the rap here. That's what I'm starting to think now. I we'll see. I wouldn't necessarily disagree. We'll see. We'll see what happens here. Okay. All right. Baldry's Beat, 604-280-9898, star 9898 on your cell. Got open phone lines here, so if you call now, you're going to get in. Star 9898. Rob in Chilliwack. Hi, Rob. Go ahead. Hey, good, good morning, guys. Hey, uh, you, you mentioned would I vote for, would people vote for David Eby? No, I'm definitely not one of them. And I'll tell you why. It, it, it's many things, but that interview the other day told the tale, Mike and Keith. That was so weak. And if you listened to his comments, for instance, about public safety. Oh, we will look at the physician and the patient and he or him or whatever, however he worded it, and said, uh, we will look at services for these people. That doesn't mean anything. Keith, you're pretty optimistic that he's going to open something like Riverview or, or maybe a little bit more modern. That doesn't sound anything like it. But we have to remember public safety. You, you know, he said he's excited to get to work. Where has the man yeah. been for the last four or five years? You tell that to he, he's excited. Tell that to the lady who got hit in the head with a hammer, the, the delivery driver who got stabbed in the neck, the person who got run over on the bus. I listened to yeah. the audio vault the other day, and I, you know, I'm sorry, but that was the weakest interview ever. And he's going to be premier. Uh, I don't know who's I don't know who's polling the, for the NDP, but man, it ain't me. Thanks, guys. Oh, okay, thank you for the call. EB was on the show here mm-hmm. earlier this week, and as as often is the case, and this goes across all party lines. You try to pin pin down a politician for a precise answer, and quite often you're not successful. You're going to get an ambiguous answer, and you know that's what I got from him on some occasions. And the, list, so the listeners, the listeners keyed in on that. Yeah, and so David Eby's launched what he calls his hundred day action plan, right? But we haven't seen any details. Well, the housing plan was fairly detailed that he laid out. Yeah, that was that was released in the campaign. That, right. That's the exception to this. But in terms of but street the hun- crime, the hundred day plan speech that he gave was very vague. Very vague. We haven't seen. So there's no really um, benchmarks or deli- uh, to see if he's delivering on yeah. this plan, other than the housing stuff. But we're waiting to see what's what exactly is he going to do about street crime. 
Right. One of the issues is, and we talked about this before, it's come in the House, the Liberals have raised this as an issue. The Attorney General has the power under the Crown Counsel Act to give a special directive to Crown Counsel, uh, in this case, when it comes to bail uh, and the, the release of chronic offenders. Right. Does the Attorney General tell the Crown, stop doing that or ta- take a tougher uh, position in court? <laughs> so far, that hasn't happened, but the opposition is really pressuring the government to do that. We'll see if Evie does that. Al in Surrey. Hi, Al. Go ahead. Good morning, guys. Um, I would say we need to stop, stop, and stop. And that is stop spending and uh, stop immigration and stop raising taxes. You cannot spend and uh, uh, give free handouts in times of recession. We're going into recession if we're not already in one, and uh, we cannot afford to just keep spending. Let the economy... Okay, thank you for that. Well, you know, very similar to what Polyev has to say right now, calling in the government. He's Polyev basically saying that the the government's been overspending. So that's the conservative view, yeah. and that's that's that philosophy. The other philosophy is the Ken, the liberal Keynesian philosophy, which is no, you don't stop spending. Uh, you sp- you have stimulus spending, and yeah. so it's, it's two schools of economic thought. No one's necessarily. Correct. You've seen, you've seen experiences in recessions before. One one approach works sometimes. The other approach works the other time. So we'll see. Okay. The, but the uh, liberal the liberals are the, are liberal <laughs> people. Yeah. They're not Pierre Poliev. So if the expectation for the liberals to adopt Pierre Poliev's uh, advice here is completely nonsensical. Well, they're also being propped up by the NDP, exactly. who are encouraging them to spend even more. So exactly. So it's uh, it's it's just not going to happen. I mean, the liberals and the NDP have their approach, and it's not the conservative approach. 604-280-9898 is the number. Star 9898 on your cell. Graham and Shuswap, hi. Hi, I just uh, want to say that uh, I believe that our federal government is overspending. Uh, our predicted deficit is going to be over $90 billion for this year. Uh, I mean, that's well over $7 billion a month that they're overspending already. And they want to add to that. I just find that completely unsustainable for our country. That's my thoughts. Thank you. Yeah, well, that's certainly, I mean, we, we're seeing deficits now of extraordinarily high levels that we un, unheard of and undreamt of before the pandemic, where the pandemic crashed everything and everybody's economy tanked. But the voters didn't necessarily uh, have trouble with that in terms of they reelected a lot of governments who had huge deficits. So deficits, I don't think, are necessarily the political issue they were a decade ago. Okay, we just got one minute left here. Something we were discussing off air here, and that is the potential timing for an election in British Columbia. Mm-hmm. Now, under the current timetable, the next election must is supposed to happen in 2024. Fall of 2024. The fall. 2024. Okay, so, you know, we're two years out. EB, though... It, it, he could call an election earlier, and he could make the argument that he needs a mandate from he could, the people. could, but he's already rejected that in a number of interviews or, or encounters with reporters. He's made it clear he has no intention to call it early elections. That can always change. Yeah. So I think that takes off the table this, any spring election. But by the time we get to the fall of 2023 or the spring of 2024, maybe that, that thinking changes. I have to tell you, though, I talk to cabinet ministers all the time. They don't want an election. Yeah. They like governing. A number of them were in opposition for a decade, more than a decade. They hated that, and they love being in government and doing things. And for two more, to be able to govern for two more years is pretty enticing to that caucus. Uh, so I don't think we're going to see an early election.